your exclusive home for prop sports. Oh, let's go! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents the Rowan University Football Coaches Show, a weekly look at the latest happenings in Profs football. Today's show is made possible in part by Barnes & Noble Bookstore, The Brown & Gold Gridiron Club, Inspira Health, Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar, the Rowan University Alumni Association, and the Southwest Council. Now we take you to Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar in Glassboro, New Jersey with Derek Jones and the head coach of Rowan University Football, Jay Accorsi, for the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. It's time for the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Coming to you from Italian Affair in Glassboro, New Jersey, Derek Jones joined alongside by, as always, the head coach of Pross Football, Jay Corsi. Coach, welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here as always. The, the smell of food always kills me on Wednesdays. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm out of practice. I haven't eaten yet. And you're smelling all this delicious food. It's torturous. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully you can make it through the next uh, yeah. 59 minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> We've got a lot to discuss with the profs getting set for homecoming in what could be some inclement weather on Saturday against Christopher Newport. We've got a, a lot of special guests coming on to the show tonight as well, so we'll get into that. But let's start with the win against the College of New Jersey last Saturday. Coach, a 9-7 victory. You know, going back to the first half of that game, you're without your starting running back, you're without your starting quarterback, and the game kind of played out the way that it did. But once again, just like the game last year against TCNJ, it comes down to really the, the, the last moment or so of the game. Yeah, you know, obviously we lost James, I don't know, third play in, um, broken hand. So we're hopefully get some good news maybe tomorrow or find out. Um, you know, and that's early, so, you know, that takes a lot out of us. And then we lose Thomas. He gets hit pretty hard and rattled. So, you know, now true freshman running back, true freshman quarterback who hasn't taken a snap for us yet. You know, I, I thought the offensive coaches and, and um, the staff did a great job, you know, just trying to manage to, to, to get us going. Um, you know, the quarterback, Nate Myers, interesting story, came into camp late, actually started at Monmouth, didn't work out for him. We had five quarterbacks, so he came in number six during camp. And that's just the part about football, you know, with injuries and things. And we've had so many this year. It's one of those years. But you have to give the guys credit, both coaches and players. You know, we stayed the course. I thought we managed pretty well. You know, we get the great field goal just before half. To, to get us closer, and I thought that was a great drive. Um, and, and then I thought we did some better things in the second half offensively, but, you know, defensively kept us in the game. They, they played a heck of a ball game. I mean, it, just some monster plays. And, and we'll, we'll obviously we'll get into the Hail Mary at the end of the game, not, yeah. to, not to bury the lead, but the, the defense, really, when you take a look at how the game played out, I mean, just a remarkable effort by the defense. In the second half... TCNJ had, I believe, six possessions that at some point were inside of the Rowan 40-yard line. Mm. They didn't score on any of them. I mean, that is very difficult for a defense to do against anybody. Yeah, you know, and obviously I think the defensive players knew, you know, in that first half, you know, we were going to be stressed, you know, losing James and losing Thomas. Um, and I thought the defensive players did a great job of rallying, hanging in there. I think, you know, they knew the second half was going to be treacherous. You know, we had, what, five turnovers we caused, all critical plays, two blocked field goals. They miss a field goal. You know, all those plays factor in, in a game like this, and it's a typical conference game. I, th I think conference play is so much... Um, you know, more important than, you know, out-of-conference play. And, you know, I thought we just did a great job of holding the fort down and not giving up. And, again, being supportive of an offense that was, 
losing some key players. And I thought the defensive players just did a, and coaches did a heck of a job. And the defense, as a part of that second half, you mentioned the the special team stuff because that was there's no question that was a, a monster yeah. factor in things, and we'll get into that in a moment. But to kind of set the stage for the final game-winning drive, a couple of interceptions, the fumble as well, it, it seemed like the props were doing just such an outstanding job of anticipating things and, and not getting caught up in the situation because that can be frustrating after a while they keep getting back into territory over and over again but the defense did not fold yeah no they didn't and again i I think a lot of it's mental fortitude not so much the physical and the emotional it's the mental part about staying the course and the defense was there rooting the offense and the two-minute drill at the end of the game and it was awesome you know they it it was just you know football i was always told is the ultimate team sport there are so many pieces. There's so many players. When you add all the injuries, you never know what your role is. And, you know, in camp, our six-string quarterback helped us win the game on Saturday. It's an incredible thing to see. And then, of course, you get the ball back, 137 left to go in the game. And then that's where things kind of start moving for the props. Nine plays, 80 yards, and, of course, the, the final play of the game so you get the ball back. That's 137, as we know, in football is an, an eternity, yeah. especially that late in the game. Take me through your, your thoughts there on, on the final drive. Well, you know, we the offensive coaches work two-minute drill regularly during the week. You know, we pre- prepare for it defensively as well, you know, end of the half, end of the game. So it's something that we always cover. You do a lot of it in training camp together against each other, not so much in the regular season, but we go all the time. So. You know, you try to narrow it to a certain amount of plays, one or two run plays to try to bust it to get it going, some out routes to get out of bounds, and then some crossers over the middle because there's going to be some exposed areas. Um, and, and I thought Nate did a great job. It, you know, it's, again, a testament to what the coaches do during the week, all year long, the players paying attention, get out, up, get out of bounds. Again, we did it with no timeouts. So, you know, it's a minute 37, whatever it is, with no timeouts. So every second is critical. Um, And there are times in the game you see our offensive players instructing the officials on what to do, where to spot the ball, where to go for time. And if you look, there's one point where they spot the ball wrong. We get a first down. They move the chains, but they spot the ball five yards back. So it looks like it's first first and 15. And Nate and the offensive line are like, no, 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 it's got to be up here. That shows you that. The mental part of the game is just as important than the physical and the emotional. And we drove right down and put ourselves in a position for the Hail Mary. We run that play right with the Big Ben with three receivers that side. The backside receiver comes across. He throws it up early because he's going to get hit, um, you know, because they're bringing pressure. Perfect ball up in the air. Uh, Andrew Spinello goes up for it. I I thought it looked like he was going to catch it in the end zone. He does, and it goes up. The TCNJ players kneeling in the end zone waiting for it to come, which you know is a DB, you bat it away, hits his arm, ricochets up, and, you know, Shane Martin does his Superman impersonation, flying through the air and grabbing the ball and scoring, which was the winning points at the end of the game. We certainly have seen so many of those attempts over the years in in random football games, and you see the, the play kind of handled all kinds of ways, you see the balls get tipped up in the air. You see the deflections. They end up getting into the back of the end zone, getting caught. In the NFL, sometimes you see guys catch it on the dead fly. A few of those Aaron Rodgers, Hail Marys are on the dead fly. Yeah. How difficult is it to kind of prepare guys for that situation, and how much time do you spend on the Hail Mary situation? I mean, you have to. We do, you know, a couple of times during the week, each week a little bit, usually on Fridays. But, again, you know, you're, you're, you've you got to prepare for it in case you need it. It's like onside kick and hands team. You don't do it a lot, but if you don't practice it, and we do every week, then you need to be prepared for it. And I thought our players did a great job. Nate threw a great ball up there. Andrew Spinell, you know, Spinell, Spin almost gets it. It bounces up. Their player tries to catch it. It goes up. We catch it. Um, but the interesting part is, too, because a lot of people didn't see it, on the game film you see it, all of a sudden it pans away, and you see pandemonium. Well, now you got to think about the next play. The game can't end on a touchdown. You have to do the point after. Well, we're not going to kick the point after because you're up by two. If it gets blocked, they go the other way. 
it's a tie ball game. So we go victory formation. So everybody's like, well, what are you doing? And the reason victory formation is so far back is because everybody basically celebrated and we got the penalties. Right. So, again, the coaches did a great job of us screaming victory, victory with the sign of the victory that that's what we're going to do. And so in all that craziness, the players are able to compose themselves in the victory formation to down the ball and and the game, unlike what some other college teams did do. But, <laughs> but again, it's all part of that process. And I give our coaches and players a lot of credit for, fin- you know, it's about finishing at the end of the game. So that victory formation, we, you know, we didn't even have guys run out for the extra point, whatever it was. It's victory. The offense is out there. You take a knee. We're done. You know, and I'm just really proud of what everybody did. You, you mentioned you mentioned that that extra point situation. Um, that's a lot of people. I don't think connect the dots on something like that because you're right. I mean, if you go back to the game a year ago, Rowan, I think everybody at Coach Richard Wacker Stadium thought they were going to tie the game, and the extra point gets blocked. And again, that's a return situation there. So. You can't take that play for granted. No, you can't, and you have to cover it. Obviously, training camp when you have a lot of time and you cover a lot of things, you do that. And I learned early in my career from coaches at Rowan, you know, about a checklist and items you want to cover and you want to make sure you cover every scenario. Because if not, and your players are out there, you can't blame the players. The coach's job is to prepare the players for every scenario. If you don't cover it, then you can't say, well, the player did this, the player did that, they made a mistake. No, you have to cover those things. Um, and as coaches, I think our coaches do a great job. And, again, we finished it off at the end, and, you know, we score, it's crazy, and that's what we're thinking is victory formation, victory. You know, and the players responded, did it, we down the ball, we're done. You know, and people couldn't see in the film, I was telling you off air, mm-hmm. the sun is starting to come up and shine in that end zone. So that end zone's kind of lit up all bright, almost you know, like a, a crazy scenario, like the, the skies open up and the sun comes out and it was only down in that end zone and pretty wild and pretty crazy, but but pretty awesome too. Now, I, I, I want to jump post-game to post-game in a second, but I do want to spend some time on something you alluded to a little bit ago. University of Miami had a, kind of a, a crazy situation turnout where they, they could have taken a knee and gotten out of there. They run the ball, the player fumbles, and Georgia Tech ends up winning the game late. When you see something like that in college football happen, or in the pros, does the coaching staff at any point spend time talking to the guys and saying, hey, here's a situation that X happened. Here's what you want to try to avoid. Or or do you use do you use those kind of things as teachable moments? Yeah, I mean, you have to use it all. And your hope is your players are watching other games and learning. Because that's the only way you're going to learn is by watching and seeing what transpires and what happens, whether it's the pro level, FBS, FCS, you know, Division Two or Three or whatever it is, that's the only way you're mentally going to learn is about those scenarios. Even if you play video games and you play Madden and all those things, <laughs> I think that's great because that's how you learn how the game is played and the different scenarios and what you do. And um, I think our coaches, again, do a great job covering it. Um, my hope is, you know, that we've done a lot of that with our players during the course of the regular season and the preseason. Um, and you have to cover all those things. You know, that's what Friday is for. Our Fridays have become more of a real practice because you just can't assume that that's what a player is going to do. And I think you just got to be really careful. Post game. I mean, you're at 137 left to go. I mean, it's you've got to drive the length of the field. And the way that it happens, what was the emotion going through the, the team and the coaching staff after getting that? Yeah, and again, I, I think, you know, that two-minute drive, you know, there's the defense that expended themselves so much and is exhausted. But to see them with their helmets off yelling and screaming and cheering on their teammates, I think that's what an ultimate teammate does. And that was so great to see because that's – challenging and discouraging when you're on one side of the ball and it's not working out and i thought that was really awesome you know and a lot of them were the ones running out there throwing their helmets and jumping up in the air and you know that's that's great to see that's that's a lot of fun um it's just that's the emotion i think of college football um and our team in particular that shows that it really matters to them and um you know seeing how they handle it afterwards and enjoy it that's how it how it should be uh, to enjoy it. I'm not going to sweat the 
15-yard penalty because we got people running around like, yeah, that's, that's emotion. Part, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> part of the game. You just deal with it. You do the victory formation backwards a little bit. That's all. And the Profs, as a result, grab a much-needed first win in conference play. Nate Myers on the day, 16 of 25, 163 yards, yeah. and a touchdown. Tyshawn Bookman, 17 carries, 54 yards on the ground. You know, they were put really in a, a shocking situation because you're not expecting to lose both the, the, the lead running back and the lead quarterback at the beginning of the game, but they, they seem to respond well in the moments. Yeah, and then, you know, one of the other running backs, Nunez Bukla, is a little nicked up, so he wasn't with us. So, you know, that, that's why Tyshawn's game at McDaniel was really important. The reps and carries he got during training camp were really important. And, again, I hope that's what the players realize is you never know when your time is called. You need to be prepared for when that time is called, and you need to be there for your teammates. And, again, those two, you know, two freshmen, they were playing high school ball last year. <laughs> they weren't playing the college games. But, uh, again, I think it gives them a, a lot of encouragement and us a lot of encouragement as well. A very big boost for the props as they get the Hail Mary victory 9-7 over the College of New Jersey Lions. Rowan improves to 1-0 in the year 2-3 and overall, and they now begin to turn the page towards homecoming weekend. But... Before we talk about the captains, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll be joined by the man of the moment, as they say. Shane Martin will be joining us. He's the one who caught the Hail Mary on Saturday to defeat TCNJ. He will be in the spotlight coming up in just a few moments right here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. This is Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Stay tuned. More headed your way from Italian Affair in Glassboro right after this. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Inspira Health. Getting sick is never convenient, especially when you're juggling a full course load, a job, an internship, or all three. The My Inspira app allows you to access care at home, between classes, or on the go. Services include consulting board-certified doctors by phone or video chat to get a quick diagnosis and treatment for non-emergency medical issues, from acne to the flu. You can see a doctor immediately or select a time for your virtual visit that works for you and your schedule. Download the My Inspira app to get started today. Inspira Health is a proud supporter of programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLSFM. Your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids... Visit TalkAboutVaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Can't get enough of the oldies? Join me, Greg May. And me, Maddie Kay. Every Saturday from 8 p.m. till midnight as we explore the top songs on the Billboard Hot 100 charts of yesteryear. You'll hear everything from the Bee Gees to the King of Rock and Roll, Chairman of the Board, and more. Each week features a special theme hour that'll have you rocking and rolling all night long. It's Saturday night at the oldies. Every Saturday at 8 p.m. Only on Rowan Radio. 89.7. WGLS FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM. Back here on the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Derek Jones alongside the head coach of Pross Football, Jay Acorsi. And we are joined right now by Pross wide receiver Shane Martin. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Shane, I mean, I, I can't, we were just talking about it off the air. I mean, take me through your emotions on Saturday of course you go through and you go up and you make that huge catch take me through that play and how you saw it play out on the Hail Mary so of course uh, with the play call coming in we uh, knew exactly what it was and um, so I was a tip guy in that situation I knew that I wasn't going to be uh, going up for the ball I was going to be you know just kind of there and ready to see if anything else would happen and um, uh, I didn't realize when we lined up we were pretty far away from where the ball was spotted it was more towards the right hash and then um, when I released out, uh, I looked up in the ball because the ball was starting pretty early, and I immediately think, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's way towards the middle. There's no shot I'm getting that. And I kind of just got myself into the play, and then I was just right there. Then I just see it just go up out of nowhere. I, like, I thought uh, my teammate Andrew Spinella actually caught it, but then it just it just like went down and then shot back up. And then all I saw was the football and, and just the blue sky behind it and nothing else. I, 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 I kind of saw like the people around me in my peripheral, but just laser focus on that ball when it went up. And then when I went up through the air and I caught it I just immediately I was like 
wait, there's nobody, there's nobody touching me. Like, I, I, like there's nobody going up for this ball. I, I couldn't believe that I just went up and uh, just so clean through that, uh, you know, through that little opening. And then, of course, when I came down with it, I, I pretty much just went into shock because I didn't truly, I didn't know if it actually counted. I saw flags everywhere immediately. I get up, I show the ball. I didn't see the ref, but because the, the ref was kind of behind me, he was the one showing the signal. So. Uh, that was just crazy, and then uh, I didn't. I, I just saw everybody rushing towards me, and then again seeing the flags everywhere. I still was kind of like in shock and not sure. Like I was like, oh, did we get a holding call? Something happened where it's coming back. But just being swarmed by my teammates, just the excitement and the energy is just like being in the middle of all of that. It was so like, so exhilarating. It's a, that's a feeling I'll never forget. And then after we need it and everything, and then uh, you know the game was officially over. That's when my true emotions came out. I started screaming and yelling and just like <laughs> jumping around with all my other teammates. And, uh, you know, it was just it, it's just a crazy experience and just like a feeling that I will never forget for the rest of my life. What's the bus ride like after a game like that? Honestly, it was uh, it was actually pretty calm. Uh, we, we celebrated more in the locker room, so to say. We were, yeah. we were having fun in the locker room. But uh, by the time we got to the bus and we were kind of everybody was starting to calm down. And, you know, we were just kind of talking about it and just like being loose and just having fun. I mean, those bus rides are those times where you can kind of build those relationships with your teammates. So we weren't really like we kind of talked about the game, but it's more so just like kind of digesting the game together. And, uh, you know, talking about all of our different experiences while we're out there, because, again, uh, you know, each every one of us are playing playing a different game out there even though it's a team sport we have all different perspectives so kind of like talking about that and seeing you know talking to his teammates especially like defense and offense getting those like you know experiences and stories it's you know that's kind of what the bus rides are for so thomas goldsboro goes out of the game early on and then nate myers comes in what was that like from the receiver perspective because are you thinking now well we're going to do x now we don't know kind of how things are going to play out how how were you able to adjust to nate and obviously you adjusted ultimately very well by the end of the game but t take me through that process and what that was like so honestly it wasn't that big of adjustment during practice we do rotate through our quarterbacks during different drills so we kind of build that chemistry uh with each and every one of the quarterbacks because again if a situation like that happens where one guy goes down we can't uh you know we'll stay on stay on page and stay on the uh stay on track for what we normally do so having that chemistry with him prior to just going throughout practice it wasn't that big of a transition once it got to a game just kind of all right we all had that confidence with each other already coach we talked about um, the receiving core at the very beginning of the season and you had noted before a game was played you said you felt like this was a pretty deep group and I think Shane is the embodiment of that for, for him to be able to come up and make that kind of a play in that situation that's huge yeah and his teammates spin to be able to almost catch it and you know get the tip um, you know, everybody's heard about Corey a little bit and Marlon a little bit and Kevin Dagnan a little bit. And, you know, but again, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. Um, I was really excited last spring when we brought in, you know, some mid-semester players at the wide receiver spot. I thought they've gelled really well. We obviously brought in some quarterbacks. So I felt, you know, depth-wise, we were pretty good at the wide receiver spot. I think we have a lot of players that could play. I think we have a lot of players that could do a lot of different things and positions, um, you know. And, and, again, obviously losing Terry was a huge loss because, you know, you lose one of your players that really pr produced a lot last year at that spot. Obviously, you lost John Maldonado. We know that. But Terry is one of the ones that we were really looking forward to or looking to to have a huge role. And all of a sudden, he's hurting out. And players like Shane and others have stepped up. So I... I'm really excited about the receiver core, how deep they are, how hard they work. There's a lot of different skill sets there. Again, as coaches, I think we're still trying to piece things together. You know, there's a lot of players that do a lot of different things. So I think we're all still kind of learning how those pieces go together. What's that receiver room like? A lot of guys really playing together for the first time what's it been like kind of learning from each other and, and getting out there on the field so honestly like coach said uh, we've meshed very well um you know on and off the field we're a pretty close-knitted group and um you know one thing that we always uh, preach is just to go out there and have fun and that's one thing that you know with the you know new kids coming in every year you know the freshmen coming in and transfers you know that's the whole thing it's like oh we're here just have, we're here to have fun like we're not trying to make this stressful for anybody we're not trying to you know really butt heads and compete with each other because again if anything happens you know 
know, it's next man up. So we want everybody to be, you know, positive and confident within uh, each other. And that's one thing that, uh, you know, between all of us is really important to us. And each year, it's, I feel like as I've progressed through, uh, we have just keep getting tighter and tighter, which is a really good thing. How about the defense, being able to keep the, keep the team in it? You have so many situations where TCNJ looks like they're about to score, but the Rowan defense each time comes up either with block kick, a, a turnover of some kind. What was it like and how big of a lift was it for the offense to see, hey, the defense is giving us a chance here? It, it was wonderful to see. I mean, of course, we were struggling to get things going on offense, but having our defense step up big and, uh, you know, get, keep us in the game, I mean, that's extremely important, especially moving forward. If they're able to keep, uh, you know, the opposing team to low score and we're able to put up points, uh, of course, that's a recipe for success. So, um, you know, when we have a bunch of players on the defense that are, I would say, dogs. We have a lot of kids <laughs> that are, you know, they want to be out there and they want to make plays and uh that's also another thing is that it, it's throughout the whole depth chart too there's a lot of kids that want to be out there and make plays so having that type of mentality on defense and their ability to actually go through and make plays in that sense it's, it's a huge boost for the offense what are some of those practices like against the defense so it is fun i mean of course as dvs they're gonna talk a little trash every now and then but we <laughs> but we like that because you know it's it's bringing a good energy and it's bringing good competition during practice and that's one thing we don't shy away from in practice is competition we know that if we go hard against each other that's just going to prepare us well for the game you've been with the program now a couple of years what have you learned so far and how have you evolved as a player so honestly when i came in i uh it was a very young group but we had a very strong leader in john maldonado i mean he taught us a lot especially as uh you know technique stuff but also being like a leader and other aspects of football there not just being a good player and um so that having that uh kind of uh, role model when I was younger. It was uh, really good to see kind of what it's could what college football is like. Cause again, it's a very different state, uh, different type of style of football than it is from, compared to high school. So having that leadership early in the career definitely helped me uh, and help all of us kind of get acquaintance with college football and uh, you know get into the playbook and really understand it well and again after having that type of leadership we all start to kind of have these uh leaderships between each other i mean uh, we are all pretty much the same age so um again having that tight-knit group and having that leadership prior to and having that kind of all have the same mentality and experience now coach you know he talked about john i mean one of the things that you you've talked a lot about over the years is leadership from the seniors and the ability for those guys to teach the next generation of players and it's it's always amazed me that you always seem to get that and when we have guys on the show the next year they always talk about they learn from the outgoing guys yeah and again that's you know that's who they're going to learn the most from you know you know let's face it as coaches we're a little bit older i'm older We've been around the block a bit. The game's much different. I'm just really um, impressed, um, but really want our players to be engaged in the process. And Shane mentioned that and, and learning from older players about how to do it, but how to do it the right way too, you know? And I think the other part that's hard, but you got to really balance is that competition. Shane talked about that. Traditionally, your DBs are the ones that just talk a lot. Yeah. Right? Your wide receivers are usually seen as divas. It's just how it is, right? So for those two groups to compete at a high level but get along and work it through, and again, it's not always perfect, right? You always have situations that come up, and certainly we, we've had. But I think if there's a general attitude like we're all here to help one another and push one another, then that will be the overriding factor and help some of the others that are trying to figure out how to do it. And I think that's critical. I think that's critical to our team right now, competing together at a high level in practice to translate it into games. That's not easy to do, you know, and a lot of times you can let your emotions get to it. But I think Shane alluded to that, right? You, you want the wide receiver core competition amongst themselves to play, but you want them to compete against the players they're going against. Um, I try to stay away from the wide receiver DB one-on-ones. <laughs> I hear it down the other end. I try to stay away. Um, but, again, that's all part of the game, right? And it's all about making each other better and checking your ego at the door. And, and I think those two groups, out of all the groups I've seen all the years, it's been one of the most productive, competitive groups I've seen in a long time. And it's helped us Saturday. And it's going to help us a long way down the road. The, through through yeah. the first four games of the year, you guys have really 
been able to compete on, yes. a, on a very consistent level. Mm. I mean, what does that say about your teammates and your ability to go out there and really challenge the opponent? So that's one thing that, uh, every, again, like Coach said, it's the hard work that comes in. And, you know, every day we come in and we put in that work and effort. And so when it comes to game time, we'll do anything to make sure we get that win. And that's on both sides of the ball. And, um, you know, that – that comes down to we are not going to give up until that last second like this past weekend. I mean, we've had instances in the past like last year against TCNJ where we fought to the last minute because you never know what's truly going to happen if you keep fighting. And that's one thing across the entire board with our team is that we understand that and we're not just going to give up because we're down. And that's a very important thing is just having that mentality and confidence with us and each other that no matter how much time's left on the clock, we still believe we have a chance of winning. This Saturday, another big crowd going to be on hand for homecoming. What kind of emotions are going through you as you get set to kind of see some of the, the faces of the past mm -hmm. kind of filtering around on Saturday and, and get a chance to impress some of the alumni? It's going to be exciting to see some old faces around, especially some alumni to come back. Of course, homecoming is a very big event for us here. Uh, there's going to be a lot going on. But, of course, when it's game day, you know, we kind of have to tune all that stuff out because, you know, we have a bigger goal at hand and, you know, we got to focus on getting that W. So, um you know, throughout the day and just even the day before, just kind of preparing and uh, seeing all that stuff around. Like, you kind of know it's there, but again, we have such a bigger, goal at a bigger goal at hand that we're all more focused on than kind of the stuff around. So we'll, we'll enjoy that stuff after the game when we get that W. Coach, is there a plan to have some of the uh, alumni on hand this weekend? Yeah, so the, it's obviously the, you know, uh, Hall of Fame weekend. So uh, Eddie Hessen gets in, the quarterback. Leroy Jones, a great linebacker. But the 93 team, team of distinction, gets in. Um, I think the 93 captains are going to be able to go out for the coin toss. I think the 93 team is going to lead us out. Um, that was the first team. That was my first year in 93. Really special time. The first Stag Bowl. Um, you know, that 93 team was really special. Um, so they're getting honored, um, you know, and we'll be a part of the coin toss before the game and leading us out onto the field. And then obviously, you know, they get inducted on Sunday with, uh, you know, the, the great quarterback, Eddie Hessen and Leroy Jones, a linebacker. So that was a really special team. That was, um, I was very fortunate when I came to Rowan that I was thrown right into the fire with some really great teams. And, um, you know, the three captains, Jarvis Perry, the great running back from Camden. Brian Adair, who we see a lot. Linebacker, special teams captain. Billy Lowett, the other captain, safety. I don't think Billy will be there from what I heard. Um, those three in particular led a really experienced team that had lost in 92 to W&J at a game at home. That team was really um, focused to get to the Stag Bowl, and they certainly did it. And that was a very talented team, so... A lot of those players will be around on Saturday. Shane, when you first joined the program, I mean, how much had you heard about the tradition and the history of Rowan football? So to be honest, I, I, I did not really hear much about it. Um, uh, when I first was going about my uh, college um, like application process, uh, I initially didn't think about playing uh, football in college. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do that. I mean, my whole life I was involved with sports from pretty much the moment I was born until all the way up to senior high school. So I was kind of on the fence about whether I wanted to play. But uh, so when I got to it was probably around January, my high school coach reached out to me and said, hey, look, like you're a very talented kid and uh, there's coaches that are interested in you playing at, like places if you are interested. And then after once I heard that, I was like, all right, like I'll start considering this. And then once I started looking into schools and kind of, uh, you know, um, just I was looking more so of like recent years. I didn't go too far back. I was kind of figuring, oh, like, you know, college football might be a thing for me. And uh, that's when I started to get more interested. And then, of course, when coaches started reaching out and actually talking to me, I was like, oh, like, this is really cool. This is something that, you know. Uh, I've never really felt before and never uh, experienced. And then my high school coach actually sent me uh, a bunch of numbers to a bunch of kids that from he sent to uh, college and played sports. And they texted me and were telling me about their experiences and how much they enjoyed it and how they made so many memories that, you know, last them a lifetime. And once I started to hear that, it's like, okay, that, that's how I want to spend my, spend my college experience. I want to create memories with, you know, the boys on the team and, you know, something that I can look down 20, 30 years later and just really enjoy and look back on and fo fondly. That's an awesome story to hear, Coach. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's all about, too, right? You, you know, trying to figure out where your right fit is to go to school. There's a lot of choices. There's a lot of options. Um, you know, and, and again, that's what part of the journey is, is 
finding out your individual journey and then being involved with football, having that journey continue with a hundred and something other guys, that's pretty awesome, you know. And again, about making memories, and I, you know, I smirk and laugh and think about the bus rides, and yeah, that's always what the players remember, isn't it? All yeah, all yeah. the ones that you talk to, all the ones that mention it, they remember their bus rides and the stories and the relationships, and but I think that's really important, you know. It's all about that experience. The game's only you know a small blip it's all the practices it's the lifting all the things that you do behind the scenes um but that's great you know about the you know the bus rides and you know all those things that occur that maybe as coaches we don't see a lot about that they do and um we're certainly happy shane decided to continue his career <laughs> shane as you get set here for the next stage of the season you're in conference play what are th- what are some of the things you think the props have to do here to reach your goals and get into the playoffs? Honestly, I think we got to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, we come into practice every day, and we've been having very good practices each uh, weekend and week out. So, uh, you know, just keep fixing or focusing on the little things and keep uh, correcting those things because at the end of the day, those little things are what's going to, you know, end up hurting us or making us be the winner on top. So, uh, you know, just kind of keep going with the same mentality of work hard with high motor high effort every single day in practice and then you know afterwards with film and working with our coaches and positional meetings you know ironing out the little wrinkles that we have each day so each week we come into uh you know saturday that we're you know we're ready and we know mentally and physically that you know we're prepared for the game well shane best of luck to you and the props on saturday and down the road a tremendous job last saturday and one of the one of the best catches I can remember seeing for Rowan football in, in quite some time. Thank you. I mean, that means a lot to me. I appreciate it. Shane Martin as a part of the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. We'll take a quick break and come back with more from Italian Affair in Glassboro. Stay tuned. More in a moment. Ooh, RowanRadio.com? What's this? A full program and sports schedule for WGLS so you never miss your favorite shows? Station archives to see the history of Rowan Radio? A virtual tour of the station? They even have podcasts, too. Oh, and you can listen online. Ooh, I love this song. Go to RowanRadio.com for more Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar. Located at 900 Delcy Drive in Glassboro, Italian Affair offers traditional Italian cuisine in multiple dining areas, including an outdoor patio. Established in 1988, Italian Affair also provides catering and private party options. For more information, the phone number is 856-881-2121, and the website is italianaffairglassboro.com. Italian Affair Restaurant and Wine Bar is proud to support the programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. It's the Rowan University Football Coaches Show. Derek Jones alongside the head coach of Pross Football, Jay Acorsi. What an energetic and fun young man Shane Martin is. Yeah, and we didn't get into it. He was hurt all last year, uh, medical redshirted, but practiced most of the year like you can. Um, and he's just one of those players that it's 100%, 100 miles an hour all the time. Um, you know, he's still learning his craft, still doing things, um, you know, but always very positive, always very upbeat. You know, and again, just works really hard at his craft. And again, you can tell from his comments, you know, it means a lot to him. It's really important. And it is to a lot of our players. And they make a lot of sacrifices to lift, practice, watch film. Like, that's a lot of time for a young person to give up. And again, to hear them talk about having fun, enjoying it. Um, because they make a lot of sacrifices, and we're just all, and as coaches, I'm very appreciative of that. And I'm glad they have fun, too, because that's all part of the experience. 
Oh, no question about it. And he was a big part of the proceedings, obviously, on Saturday oh, yeah. with Rowan getting the 9-7 win over TCNJ. Let's take a look at some of the other scores around the NJAC. Montclair State defeated Kane 27-14. Montclair State now in first place in the NJAC. Yeah, you know, um, I, I knew it. You know, Mike Plazo, the new head coach there, he's been there a while. He played there. Um, you know, I knew, you know, again, it's always Montclair. You know, they have really good players. It's a really established program. You know, different coach, but kind of same old, same old gritty team. Looks like they're playing some really good defense and scoring some points offensively. And, again, haven't really spent a lot of time, but, you know, very impressed with what he's done in a, the short early time of his, his head coaching career. So you'll see them later on this season as yep. Kane as well. Yeah. Christopher Newport loses on Saturday 27-24 to Dickinson in overtime. What can you tell us about what you saw there? You, you know, uh, the lefty quarterback's playing, the transfer from App State. He's really good. Um, not really sure what, you know, they're kind of flipping with the quarterbacks. I, obviously, they're, they're, you know, the, the quarterback there, offensive player of the conference, really good player last year. I don't know if he's been hurt a little bit or they're just kind of in transition. Not really sure. Um, but, again, you know, they're both really good players. Um, they have a lot of speed. Um, they hot, You know, again, it's a hotbed for high school football down in that area. Just a really good team. So, again, I think they're trying to, again, second-year head coach Paul Crowley played in the program, has coached in the program. Again, very impressed with he's, with what he's doing with their program and, and they're talented. So um, again, you know, uh, we'll find out more when we play against them. And it's a very interesting stretch coming up for the, the props because you have Christopher Newport followed by Salisbury, Salisbury and then at Montclair state. So kind of an intriguing run there to, to close out the year. Yeah. You know, again, you know, you look at that and, and obviously you know, CNU and, and Salisbury, who was picked to win the conference, you know they're always going to be good. Um, you know, Salisbury, the CNU game has been very close the last couple of years with us. Um, again, they're just really talented, very well coached. They have a lot of good players. You know, um, you know, again, a really good program. Same with Salisbury. Seems like they're down a little bit. I, again, I have not researched them a lot. Looks like they're playing two quarterbacks. Looks like they're throwing the ball a little bit more. So, again, they might be um, in transition, but certainly an important stretch for us as as we head into this weekend's game. They were kind of going back and forth with William Patterson. Speaking of Salisbury, it's a 13-6 game in favor of William Patterson yeah. in the third quarter. Yeah. But then Salisbury came to life and ended up winning 36-19. to Yeah, again, I, you know, I think, again, you know, Second-year head coach at William Patterson. He's doing a great job. Um, again, the conference is tough. There's a lot of good teams. Each week is a battle. Um, you know, again, beside the, you know, the Montclair-TCNJ score, which Montclair kind of had a lot of things bounce their way early and took them out of the game, you know, most of the conference teams are, like, within a touchdown or two of each other, two possession, and that's where you would expect it to be like. Coming up this weekend, TCNJ taking on Kane. Mm -hmm. The big game between Salisbury and Montclair State. If Montclair State wins that game, they'll move to 3-0 and in league play. If Salisbury loses, well, I mean, they, they've, got, they've got their work cut out for them. It, you know, it's a, it, definitely a tough league, so it will not be easy to bounce back. Yeah, you know, again, you know, Salisbury, again, you know, that's why preseason picks and ratings and you know, that stuff's good in the preseason, but it doesn't mean anything <laughs> during the season. So, again, I, I kind of had a feeling, you know, this would be one of those years that it would be a dogfight for the, the conference, and, and it is. And, again, I think it speaks volumes about the coaches and players in our, our respective conference. Elsewhere, William Patterson taking on Ursinus, and the, the Centennial still lives and breathes in the challenge yeah, against you the know, Ursinus has dropped two since playing mm -hmm. us. Um, I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but, you know, again, um, you know, Hopkins keeps winning. Um, Stevenson keeps winning. So, again, you know, our out-of-conference losses are against good teams. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, makes us feel a little bit better. 
but certainly makes us understand we're a little bit hardened for conference play. Before we go to break, I did want to ask you about, you talked about in the last segment, the 93 team. That was that was the first Ag Bowl team mm-hmm. and kind of set the stage for what was to happen throughout the rest of the decade. The program had been kind of on the rise before that, but that was the first team that got to the Amos Alonzo Stag Bowl. How, how about their importance to the history of, of the football program? Because, you know, this, the school really launched into a just an incredibly successful period, starting with that 93 team in terms of getting the national championship game. Uh, you know, and again, I think it starts with President James, Herman James. Um, you know, there was the name change from, you know, Glassboro State to Rowan College of New Jersey to Rowan University. Certainly not a, a, a lot of alums and people were happy about that. I always joke, if you give me $100 million, I'll change my name to Steve or whatever you want. <laughs> I really don't care. Um, but it was an interesting time, and I got here. That was my first year in 93. John Bunning had left to go in the NFL and coach. Casey Keeler's first year. Um, I was new here. Um, but you got the sense that something was going on with the athletic department, um, with the university, the changes that were going on, that was kind of the start of it, the impetus of everything. You know, you look at, I think, back to then to now, it's not even close to the same school. Um, but it all started with Herman James. He, he made no bones about it. Athletics were important. He thought it was the face of the university. He thought it would help make the transition for people easier. When you walked into Doc's office over there and you know, he had a cutout of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, or, you know, and <laughs> you looked at those two and you knew he meant business about athletics. But I think he understood the culture and the necessity. And now they talk about the student experience, right? That's what it all was back then. Yeah. You know, he lived on campus. He jogged around campus. Everybody knew who he was. It was that that touch, that feel that you felt a part of something. And I think that's starting to come back. Um, but that 93 team was, holy smokes, top to bottom. So as a GA, I was on the offensive side working with the quarterbacks. Like, I didn't say anything to Eddie Hessen. He, he was ridiculous. <laughs> I just stood there in amazement. I don't really know what my role was. But that 93 team was just so focused to get to the Stag Bowl because of the fight. They had to get the early 90s into the playoffs there. And the heart, disheartening, the huge loss in 92 at home against Washington and Jefferson, I still hear stories about that game from everybody in the 90s that it was in their jaw and bothering them. And that 93 team was just destined to go and do great things, and they were. And I, I'm just very appreciative I was a, a part of it. Um, that 93 team was really special team that finished 11 and 2 on the year and went through buffalo state william patterson washington and jefferson in the playoffs and then in the national championship game i mean at the time there and you can track this really up until larry karras left there are not a lot of teams that played within 10 points or less of them and rowan's one of the few teams obviously you get the win in 99 but that was something that didn't happen commonly. And we were close, right? I think it was a 10-point game in 93 there. Yep. You know, they were just kind of coming on the scene. We were just kind of coming on the scene. Um, you know, Ballard, the quarterback, I just remember in the wind, he threw a dig route. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jarvis Perry, I think, had a block where he hit somebody and his helmet, like, exploded. It was this huge collision. And I'm like, wow, these guys are here to play, and we are too. And it was just a great experience meeting Henry Rowan. I met Henry Rowan. He flew his own Learjet to the game. And if I'm not mistaken, we could fact check. I think his first football game he went to was the 93 National Championship game. Oh, wow. And I remember him walking around, looking around. Oh, is this what it's about? Is this what's going on? Wow. And I'm like, who's that guy? And then I remember somebody grabbed me going, uh, that's Henry Rowan. He gave $100 million. Uh, he could do whatever he wants here. Yeah, there you go. You know, But that team was really special and really good. And um, I was just very fortunate. But, again, it started with Doc James. You know, everybody knows, you know, he was, for basketball game management, you had to have the table for him and his wife at courtside on the other side ready because Marie knew 
she would never see him except for the basketball game. And they would sit there and talk the whole game, and he'd be trying to watch the game, but that was the only <laughs> chance she had to talk to him. You know, that's just how super they were. Focused. Yeah, and they were just super fans, he and his wife. And um, I love going into James Hall and seeing the picture of him in there with the big smile. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was just different. He chased me off the game field. I was teaching a flag football class. <laughs> Didn't know anything about what was going on. He chased, what are you doing on the field? Get off the field. Like, that's how he yeah. was. He was engaged in every little thing. Um, and I think that permeated through the university and certainly was a big reason why we were so successful athletically by his support. The 93 team will be honored this weekend and inducted into the Hall of Fame. We'll take one final break, and then when we come back, we'll be joined by a very special guest to round out the show tonight. This is the Rowan University Football Coaches Show right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. More in a moment. WGLS programming is made possible in part by the Rowan University Alumni Association. Delighted to serve over 100,000 Rowan Proud Profs through exciting events and programs, communications, volunteer and mentorship opportunities, and special benefits and discounts. Since its founding, the Alumni Association has worked to maintain a lasting and positive relationship between our dedicated graduates and their alma mater. Alumni are encouraged to check out the website for more information about getting involved. The website is alumni.rowan.com. Rowan.edu. The Rowan University Alumni Association is proud to sponsor the programming on Rowan Radio. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. <laughs> no, you hold my hand. Here we go. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM back here at Italian Affair for a few more moments, but we've got a very special guest joining us here. It is the director of the Rowan University Marching Band, Megan Cooney. Megan, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So uh, take me through the process of creating this marching band and the process of getting it finally out on the field. Uh, it was about a year-long endeavor. Um, so for nine months last this past year, uh, I did all the ordering and creating contracts and hiring people and recruiting students and you name it. It was um, from the ground up effort, like I designed our uniforms, everything. So it's a lot. <laughs> what was, what's been the most gratifying part of, of this situation for you? Uh, well, we're going to get to see them in uniform this weekend awesome. and for the first time ever. Awesome. And the uniforms look really good and they sound really good and they're marching really well. And I think, you know, once I see them in uniform, it'll feel more real. Um, but I would say the most gratifying thing is just watching the culture build. So. So one of the neat things about this is a, a lot of the, the lead up to this I've learned from Coach Acorsi. And one of the things he talked about before the season started, he said that, you know, they would be practicing into the night. And then when they're leaving, the band is getting ready. And this is not like 6, 7 o'clock at night. You, you pulled some, some late hours, correct? Yeah. So during what's called band camp, it's a week-long training session. We do three-a-days. So just like a sport would, we do um, 9 to noon about right around there and then we take an hour and a half lunch break and then it's you know 1 1 30 to 5 and then we take an hour and a half dinner break and then we go from 6 6 30 to 10 o'clock coach you, you've talked about what it's meant to the athletics program just to have this be a part of the, the rowan football experience I mean, this has to be just a, a wonderful thing to be a part of yeah it's awesome and again i've, I've been to schools down south and the bigger universities where it's a big deal. And I've always been impressed. My daughter was at James Madison, and I always went to the games and dragged her early so I could watch the band. I'm just mm -hmm. kind of that way. And it's just part of it. Something special about the band and in the college experience. It's just something really special. And 
you know, when I talked to the dean a few years ago, and he's like, Jay, I'm trying to see what we can do. And he goes, I know. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to see it before I go. And it was just always kind of there. And then I remember I, I, I saw the ad for the job, and I called yeah. Rick, the dean. Like, we, we're getting a bid. He goes, yeah, we're getting a bid. I'm like, oh, my God. I was just so excited. And I just think it's just a great part of it. And, you know, the band members practice more and longer than our guys do. Like, and I yep. saw, I see, and I see them out in the parking lot. We're yep. on a nice soft field. You know, and I tell the players, I'm like, look what they're doing. You're only here for like an hour or two. I can't even keep you up that long. Look what they're doing. And I think our players are extremely appreciative of what the band members do. And, you know, we had a chance to be with them during their camp and our camp. And I thought it was awesome. You know, it's, you know, again, that student experience and connecting students together for greater good. And I think it's awesome. Megan, let's talk about some of the band members. I mean, how how did the recruiting come up? How, how did you bring students together to be a part of this? Yeah, so it's hard to start something from nothing, but we had a had and still have a really large social media presence. You can follow us at, at Pride of the Profs uh, on Instagram and Facebook. But, um, yeah, it was a lot of social media. It was a little bit of smoke and mirrors, so a lot of, like, really tight shots of band members just holding instruments as the instruments were arriving, a lot of like promo videos with some cool music in the background, and myself and students were the ones that actually put that all together. So all the photography, videography, social media, it's all run by myself and the students. But um, I also go into high school band rooms and work with their band programs, just like a coach would, and I literally recruit students. So tomorrow I'm going to Washington Township High School to spend time with their band program from 12 to 3. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm visiting a high school band room twice a week from now until December Wow! to go recruit. We have 135 this year, which is year one. But, I mean, we're going to try and get up to 200. But I think... Yeah, I think we'll get close, if not get there. So this weekend, this is a big weekend because you mentioned the uniforms, but this is the first homecoming yep. for the marching band. Uh, what are your, some of your thoughts and emotions heading into this weekend? Well, I'm actually an alum of Rowan University. I graduated in 2011 in music education. Um, I think it's really special. I know I've promoted it and asked a lot of my friends and who I know are alum and a lot of our current students in the band, their parents or grandparents are alumni. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole uh, College of Performing Arts faculty, they're all going to be there as well. So it's a really big deal. I mean, I feel an immense pressure, but also responsibility to put something together that's really special because the better I do, the value of my own degree goes up, right? I want to make sure that we're representing ourselves well all the time. Coach, before we get out of here, I wanted to touch back on what we talked about last week. Fan question of the week. We asked what your favorite song that you'd like the marching band to perform would be. You didn't have an answer, yep. but you have an answer now. Yeah, well, it'd be the Rowan fight song, mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. But I don't know if I could mention the Phil Collins, if you're going to. Oh, yeah. The, the Susu Studio. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, I'd be yeah. running around dancing Susu Studio. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, that's awesome. That would be one of my favorites, too. That that would be pretty yeah. awesome. I did have a follow-up because somebody, I did alert someone at the station who has a, our assistant station manager, Leo Kirshner, who has a musical background. He wanted me to ask you about Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what any plans for Earth, Wind, and Fire <laughs> stuff? We, we do have Earth, Wind, and Fire tunes in our stands tunes, the mm -hmm. stuff that we play in the stands during the game. But um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, like, the students love that music, and so do I. It's just, it's difficult. Yeah. So this year, I wanted to kind of test the waters a little bit. So our first tune is a swing chart, um, because playing a swing feel well is difficult. Our second tune is pretty easy. It's a Motown chart. Then we're playing Phil Collins, Sue Studio. Um, and that's very syncopated, which it's kind of like dipping our toe in the water to prepare for Earth, Wind, and Fire. And then we're going to do a Beyonce chart. Um, not wow. this game, but the next game. So that gets us into that kind of like HBCU, like Park and Bark style. So I'm just basically testing the waters to see what we do well, what we don't do well, and also the pacing of how long it takes to get it to where it needs to be. 
So, but yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire is definitely coming down awesome. the pipeline. Awesome. That is excellent to hear. Yeah. So, if students want to get involved, how should they go about doing that? Yeah, so if they want to be in the band, um, we are, there's no auditions to be in the band. Um, the There are auditions for placement inside of the drumline, color guard, and front ensemble, but nobody's ever turned away. Um, if they want to get involved, they just have to go to um, rowan.edu slash bands and fill out an interest form and then from there it gets sent to our band staff and then we contact those people and then the recruiting process starts. Well, Megan, thank you so much for joining us here. This has been just a, a tremendous awesome. uh, add to the show here and coach, it should be a fun day on Saturday. Yeah, it should be great. I'm so excited to see the uniforms. I was there the day the person came size, yeah. did the sizing and everything and I, I appreciate Megan letting me hang around and be kind of a band person. I'm like a band wannabe, so I'm around, and, and again, I just really enjoy it, and the students are awesome. I, I saw a couple today walking campus to a meeting. Hey, coach, hey, coach, and I knew right yep. away who they were, you know, and, and that's awesome. So not only are athletes, you know, recognized, but band members as well for the things that they do, but it's all awesome. I can't wait. So it's going to be rainy, a little cold, whatever it is. But the band's going to be in their band uniform. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my God. Rain or shine, Rain we're going to be there. Like, it's going to be the bright part of the day. Yeah. yeah. Come and see it. No question about it. Coverage starts on 89.7 at 1. Kickoff at 2 between the profs and the captains. And what should be a great game? Yeah, it should be. And Megan kept me from having to answer any questions this week, too. So yes, yes. There, there, <laughs> there, was, yeah, there, there was a question, but we'll, eh, we can get to it. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a floating <laughs> question we can we can get to down the line. Awesome. So thank you very much for joining us here. And, of course, be sure to check out the Rowan University Marching Band coming up this weekend and re the rest of the weekends moving forward for Rowan University football. For Megan Cooney and Jay Corsi, I'm Derek Jones saying so long. Again, pop flavor on the way coming up in just a few moments right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro, Sam DeChusetts with pop flavor in just a moment. Sam, take it away. Have a good one, everybody.